Book Eight, Chapter One of The Boys and Girls Pliny, Volume Four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Generous Horse. The Boys and Girls Pliny, Volume Four, by Pliny the Elder. Chapter One The Extreme Smallness of Insects. We shall now proceed to a description of insects, a subject replete with endless difficulties. Insects are numerous and form many species, and their mode of life is that of the terrestrial animals and the birds. Some, like these, are furnished with wings, others are divided into those kinds which have wings and those which are without them, such as ants while others, again, are destitute of both wings and feet. All these animals have been properly called insects, from the incisures or divisions which separate the body, sometimes at the neck, sometimes at the corset, and so divided into members or segments, only united to each other by a slender tube. In some insects, however, this division is not complete and it is surrounded by wrinkled folds and the flexible vertebrae of the creature, whether situate at the abdomen or whether only at the upper part of the body, are protected by layers overlapping each other. Indeed, in no one of her works has nature more fully displayed her exhaustless ingenuity. In large animals, on the other hand, or at all events in the very largest of them, she has found her task easy and her materials ready and pliable, but in these minute creatures, so nearly akin as they are to nonentity, how surpassing the intelligence, how vast the resources, how ineffable to perfection which she has displayed. Where is it that she has united so many senses as in the gnat? not to speak of creatures that might be mentioned of a still smaller size. Where, I say, has she found the place to put the organs of sight? Where has she centered the sense of taste? Where has she inserted the power of smell? And where, too, has she implanted that sharp, shrill voice of the creature, so utterly disproportioned to the smallness of its body? With that astonishing subtlety, she has united the wings to the trunk, elongated the joints of the legs, framed that long craving concavity for a belly, and then inflamed the animal with an insatiate thirst for blood, that of man especially. What ingenuity has she displayed in providing it with a sting so well adapted for piercing the skin? And then, too, just as she had had the most extensive field for the exercise of her skill, although the weapon is so minute that it can hardly be seen, she has formed it with a twofold mechanism, providing it with a point for the purpose of piercing, and at the same moment making it hollow, to adapt it for suction. What teeth, too, has she inserted into the teredo, to adapt it for piercing even oak, with a sound which fully attests her destructive power. 
while at the same time she has made wood its principal nutriment. We willingly yield our admiration to the shoulders of the elephant as they support the turret, to the stalwart neck of the bull, and the might with which it hurls aloft whatever comes its way, to the onslaught of the tiger or to the mane of the lion, while at the same time nature has nowhere to be seen a greater perfection than in the very smallest of her works. For this reason, then, I must beg of my readers, notwithstanding the contempt they feel for many of these objects, not to feel a similar disdain for the information I am about to give relative thereto, seeing that, in the study of nature, there are none of her works that are unworthy of our consideration. End of chapter 1